a Shishkin Productions podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. And today's guest is fellow photographer, the one and only Dominic Lewis. He's the owner and founder of Photodom, an analog-focused photography store that processes film, sells film, and just generally does a lot of cool film-related things. Photodom opened last September, impressively during the height of the global pandemic. I'm so excited to sit down with Dominic today. I really think this conversation will develop nicely. So without further ado, let's get into it. Year. I'm Braxton. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. I'm Chris. And we're bringing you the Group Text Podcast. We are four black cousins texting all day, every day about everything going on from the streets to the tweets. And, you know, we're bringing the group text to the podcast world. Yep. Talking about why America is trash, but also why you should have hope. We're recapping everything pop culture, current events, and what's viral this week. And even hitting you with some life advice, like when you should knock if they buck. Yep, and we'll be keeping score, seeing if city boys or city girls are up. City girls are always up. City girls make them wish like Ray J. <laughs> the Group Text Podcast, brought to you by the Shishkin Productions Network. Join our group text every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Dominic, what's up? What's up? How's you going, Jeremy? Good, good. Thanks for coming through. Um, Thank you for well, having me. Yeah, of course. Let's uh, just start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm 27 years old. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I moved to Florida very early on in my life. My mom decided to move to South Florida as a better life for us. So okay. I was raised in South Florida. And when, how old were you when you moved there? I was very young. I was like two years old. Okay. Like I don't have any recollection of New York at all. Um, honestly, didn't really even come back to New York until I was around maybe seven or eight years but old. But you knew you had it in your blood. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once I once I came back, I was like, you know, it was a kind of a scary place, you know, you know, because uh, my cousins were on a harder side, you know, they, they grew up different. So um, first coming back here, it was a little different. And then, you know, as I started to come here every single summer, I like fell in love with New York. And, you know, that's kind of like, I feel like where all of my, you know, in school, all of my fashion tips, all of the, the slang verbiage, everything yeah, yeah. came from. Uh, so as soon as I was able to uh, get out of the house and when I was 18, I went to college in Philadelphia and oh, I was cool. you know back and forth between Philadelphia and New York just because nice. I family I love here. Philly. I love it there too. Where did you go to school in Philly? I went to Drexel University. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good school. It's it's good, but uh, I dropped out. <laughs> okay. So, so you dropped out at what age? Like 20? I was 20 actually. Okay. I remember this vividly. Yeah. Um, I was studying uh, electrical engineering. So this is my degree oh, wow. path. I was actually very much math focused. I really wanted to be an engineer and I was very much wanting to be in the military. So my wow. path, if I would have stuck that path, I would have been in, an officer in the Navy if I followed my NRTC program path. Interesting. It's but cr- It's crazy yeah. how small decisions can just change the whole path of our life. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. I actually originally got into photography. What I wanted to do with my life is I wanted to be a war photographer because I was really inspired by <laughs> photographers. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with like Tim Hetherington. Yes. Um. Yeah. But I, I was very inspired by his work among some others. And I wanted to join the army or military of some sort to document that. Um. I never went through with that plan, but that's yeah. like, that's what I thought I would be doing originally so, <laughs> really yeah that's a very interesting also path. it's interesting how uh you see you have a math background and there there's actually surprisingly a lot of math within photography that people yes, don't realize very much a lot of it 
I yeah. remember uh, when I was in class one day, I was like, just you know, one of our classes was physics and physics, physics touches a little bit on optics. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being so like, like interested in how, you know, convex and converged lenses and, you know, how you, you can pretty much make a lens high quality to, to focus an, an image. And that's pretty much all photography is, you know, it's all about the lenses. Right. So it's very interesting. Um, that background kind of helped me push me into photography because now uh, I feel like photography can be very calculated. So if you, if you absolutely can, if you can understand it on that calculated level, then it comes more simple to you. But you still have to have the high. Yeah, <laughs> so especially analog photography. Oh yeah. So yeah. What do you think? Uh, just off the top of your head, uh, people that don't realize, where do you think numbers play a big part in photography? That I mean, I guess you kind of just said, but well, I feel like in. In a couple of different things, because I feel like the main thing is, you know, understanding aperture, shutter speed, and ISO right. and their relationship. It's kind of like an algebraic equation. You know, you have two variables, you're solving for the third. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell people that a lot and they kind of understand That's a, a little better. That's a good way better. to explain it. Yeah, because whenever people ask me and I try to, it's always, it's difficult to explain. It's yeah. it's so simple. Like, it's one of those things where it's, it's, diff, it, it's so, once you understand it, you get it. But before you don't get it, it's like, you just have no idea. And then one, t- one second, it'll, it'll click and you'll just be like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. So. And once you, yes, yeah, as soon as it clicks and it makes perfect sense from there, because uh, everything is, is on that level, it's, you know, it's calculated. There's only three different things you can choose from, you know, besides the other settings in your camera. That's mm-hmm. why analog cameras can be a little easier to um, wrap your head around if you're just getting into it. There's right. no menus, you know, there's no additional settings. It's literally just probably two dials. You have, you know, you have the shutter speed and aperture dial, then you have the ISO dial yeah. and you just have to figure out that relationship and create it's a perfect like- image. Tell me if this is a good analogy. The checks and balances of government are equivalent to the aperture, <laughs> shutter speed, and yeah. ISO or, or film that, speed of. It's oh, so you, true. I use that analogy sometimes. Even like glasses of water, I'm always just like, if you have two glasses of water, you want to balance them out. Mm. The kind of the premise is to pour back and forth, and that's the same okay, thing. Okay, that like, one's that one's a lot more vis- visual. <laughs> I, I like that analogy better. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're aware. You like you have to uh, like raise the shutter speed and lower the uh, lower the. Uh, aperture to get that balance and right. that's just how photography is and once you understand that then it can come really natural to some people absolutely cool <laughs> all right so we got a bunch of questions here let's uh let's jump into them yeah for sure so the first question from amy nicole is what's been the most exciting thing to come out of opening photodom that you did not expect going in so also Ooh. well let's let's continue your story really quick because i okay. get to that yeah, <laughs> so you dropped out at 20 yeah <laughs> before we answer this question talking about photodom you dropped out at 20 yeah. you moved to the city you moved to New i York? moved actually i moved back to florida at the time oh. because i felt like i had more stability down there i was so nervous of moving to new york honestly i could have i really could have but i was just like i don't know and i want to at least make sure i have some type of like background or knowledge or anything so honestly my mom wanted me to really, really wanted me to go back to school in south florida i'm like ah we'll yeah. see we'll see where that goes but uh right. i'll move back home for now and uh it's very interesting because the first job i got right when i moved back home was working for a daycare photography company so i was the guy that was lugging i don't know 80 pounds of equipment in his trunk every day uh five days That's a cool. week i was going to different daycares and shooting 30 to 40 kids every single day wow for five days you gotta yeah. say gotta say photographing kids just to clarify yeah <laughs> <laughs> photographing <kids. laughs> yeah it was it was a it was a really cool job because i felt like i learned so much so quickly and everything uh-huh. was uh you know you're jumping into learning photography interactions selling your work and lighting all at the same time yeah and was it full on you or were you assisting someone or I remember I assisted for maybe two weeks before they just like, all right, you're on your own. Go ahead and have fun. And I just had to go to these schools alone. And I was just pulling up every single time. With all this equipment? Damn. Yeah. No assistant? No. No assistant. No. If not for the photo shoots, it was it was all me. It was like, 
uh yeah it was like an hour setup an hour breakdown every right. time i went just because i'm doing everything you know same set lighting setup every time yeah was it was like a three-point setup or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so easy honestly that yeah. they had strings attached to the lights and they were just like hold the string out when a string touches the table that's where you place oh, the light and wow. was so, so it's really dialed thing. in yeah yeah and the cameras honestly were locked you couldn't even change the settings on it what <laughs> yeah i don't know how they did that but they, they wanted you to just pretty much set it up it's ready set at f11 and right you know, one twentieth of a second whatever it was and okay so it sounds it. like with that you didn't have you didn't flex your creative muscles too much but you learned a lot of technicalities about yeah. photography is that safe to say yeah i would definitely say because uh one thing that's like you know you have to learn how to interact with children and that's they're they're i feel like there's only two types of children they're either going to react or they're going to cooperate or not cooperate and right. you just have to see what type of they are and then work with them so sometimes it was like using you know funny things to get them to to do whatever you want them to do or put them in a pose and then you just you know tickle their stomach and they laugh and then <laughs> boom you just get the shocks have like a remote right. trigger so it was that's like, where you got to get creative like reading yeah. the kid what will make them like, was, get the a, best smile or, i loved you know, it yeah. yeah it was like, so like every kid it was like 30 of them so i know like eight or five or ten of them are gonna be difficult yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like just get those out of the way it makes it more challenging so cool. it was a fun job in that way and i was working that job and also uh simultaneously doing some nightlife photography for uh another company that was like based in miami so cool. it was really fun just like doing stuff during the daytime and sometimes at night so all clubs. of a sudden you just became a photographer like hustling photographing kids during the day and at night just photographing people in the clubs yeah i just literally dived into it i was like nothing's gonna stop me from wow. being a photographer if that's my path and you know at this time also instagram was kind of brand new so right. the great thing about instagram is that you know you can book stuff just through instagram when it was Absolutely. first coming out just meeting people alone was, was such a big advantage because yeah. how else would you really meet models and photographers not really any platform that combines the both so it's such a good platform for someone who's starting out and don't really know where to go and you're looking for people to shoot. You know, just start with your friends or start with people you see on Instagram. That's an easy way to get it. 100%. And then what, what was that next after that? Um, so after that, uh, I was living down there for a couple of years until I decided to move back to New York. Um, obviously, honestly, between the time I was doing a lot of different stuff, uh, I opened up a photography studio shortly after um, working for that job. They actually started doing bad. Honestly, after my second year there, they decided to go everything digital which everything was an impulse buy because you're buying physical prints. It's like when you were in school, you know, everyone buys that package and they right. buy the prints immediately. So once they switched over, things were not hitting the same. We were all getting paid 100% on commission. So once the commissions weren't looking the same anymore, I was like, you know what? Things time for me to move on. Mm -hmm. And I decided to open my own photography studio in South Florida. Uh, we had that space for eight months before I literally got physically kicked out of it because of an event we threw. <laughs> and wow. the landlord was just just unrelentless didn't care he was like you know what you guys gotta get out and i'd put my blood sweat and literal tears right. into the space to build it and it was a lot of work and everything just ended just like that Damn, and without notice yeah nothing it was it was didn't very get hard security deposit back or no, anything just, nothing i barely even got my stuff back i, I lost so much oh stuff my and God. they ended up like throwing all of our stuff out and it was was this place also called photodom <laughs> no or... it was it was called palm beach photo studio because that's what town city i was living in okay so uh if some people who uh familiar with me uh, from back then they'll probably uh, recognize the name palm beach photo studio <laughs> okay wow so before you opened photodom here in brooklyn you, yeah you had experience opening a whole other photo yes. studio similarly and it was a little different concept i was just mostly yeah. trying to get people to book it which my more i didn't really understand marketing and you know business plans right. and how things to work so i wasn't getting a ton of clients palm beach is not really the type of city to need things like that all times perfect yeah. weather so, right. you know everyone wants to shoot outside they have that right? yeah. uh, so you really have to find ways to change it around to get really people to come so i started developing like memberships and different stuff and as soon as i started getting i feel like getting better at it it just just ended like that which is really disappointing um but um it honestly fueled me to 
yeah moved to I new mean, york and i was like you know it's a perfect how timing. are you how are you feeling at that time when the, <sighs> that ha- i can't imagine and you you still pushed through and you, you decide to do it again and open another photo store after all that yeah. how long ago was that this was in uh 20 20 say 2015 2016 okay 2016 yeah, tw- okay yeah. so that happened and then what happened next i, I just need to hear this whole this whole <laughs> yeah, timeline it's, it's a it's an interesting story so i took like honestly a year off honestly i didn't even do anything i barely even took pictures in that year just kind of right. you know uh took a whole year off at a time uh, i moved to like north carolina with my you know ex at the time and we lived together for a little bit and uh honestly once i moved back to I, I I we ended up breaking up and I moved back to South Florida. I was like, yeah, I gotta do something. This is this is great and all. I can spend my time here, but I need to do something that's like risk taking and you know got on my bounds again. Right. So I moved to New York. That's and, the New York in your blood, man. Yeah. I feel like I was, we all we're all like this here. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like I need to be back here because I mean, yeah. I, one of the things I had in mind was like, if I'm in New York, I'm in the same circles of all the greatest people who've ever take pictures in new york you know there's so many legends that have come it's the photo capital of the world here in my opinion i think you know a lot of not only are there a lot of great resources for photographers but also there's a lot of opportunities in general here photography related and a lot of photographers here yeah so it's it's competitive here but it's also more opportunity and just yes (laughs) that's my biggest thing at first i was like oh the competition is so much other photographers but then you realize you know there's plenty of space for everyone to to grow and and do whatever you want to do and we need each other too exactly the community here is very strong i love that about it everyone's very supportive um so once i moved back here i immediately found a job at a camera store actually another camera store it's in brooklyn and this camera store while i was working for them i went for a different position and they were like you know a lot of stuff so you might want to work in marketing you're like would you be interested in working in marketing i was like yeah i would love to work in marketing cool um and i got that job there i was working there for two and a half years and during that time i was doing youtube videos for them i was pretty much helping them change the website and shooting nice. shooting a lot of content for them honestly right. managing the social media accounts and all that types of stuff um, I learned tons of stuff there. Honestly, I never went to college or anything. Never have a degree, but being there was like I felt like that was my school. Like I learned so much about marketing and how stores make money and Damn. and got paid for it and too. got paid for See, it. See, that's a life hack right there. You yeah. get you get all the you learn all this stuff, but you get paid to learn it. <laughs> exactly, that's the coolest <laughs> thing. It's like you know, even if you have some type of experience in college, like even the thing I tell people, like put that on your degree. Just say yeah. you went from this time to this time. They'll still look at it and say, you know what. He did go to college for some time. Even the thing is, most jobs don't even ask for degrees. So, yeah. you know, in the creative industry, I mean, I graduated from college. Yeah. I've never, well, <laughs> just from my experience, I've never got asked for right. anything for my <laughs> college degree. But I did learn a lot at college. But yeah, we all, yeah, yeah but there's no right or wrong way for anyone. It's like, uh, 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you make the best do of whatever's around you, honestly. Absolutely. Take advantage. So, two and a half years you were there. And then mm-hmm. what you left around 2019? Yeah, I left uh, mid, I feel like uh, late 2019, honestly, uh-huh. this is very interesting. Uh, I left because of a uh, main reason why I left because they weren't paying me what I wanted to be paid. And mm-hmm. I asked for an offer. They know said your no. Worth. Know your worth. Always know Sounds your worth. Sounds like you were doing a lot for them. YouTube it, videos, marketing. Yeah. So. It was crushing because honestly, it was nerve wracking time. Even at that time, I was like not sure what my next path was going to be. But I was like, I know it's not going to be here. So I just decided to leave. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do yet. And once I left, I was just uh, spending the rest of my time because at that time I was kind of freelancing while working there. I was um, freelancing doing websites because that's something that I really enjoyed too. I love creating websites. The Photodom website is nice. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. That's, I created that. It took yeah. me five years. <laughs> and and even, even the blog attached to it. It's yeah. Also, yeah. So we just started like, that's some things that we created as the store opened. We started growing. I was like, no, what else can we create? So it's very interesting how we have like multi-websites that all connected. We have like photodom.shop. We have photodom 
photodom.blog, we have photodom.nyc, and we have recently we launched photodom.film, which is like a film processing website that makes film processing much easier for people to just like check out online. Uh, They can do everything online. They don't have to be physically with us, and they can just come drop it off later on. Oh, nice. So that was like um, things that we just build as we went along. So as I was freelancing for them for uh, myself for a little bit between jobs as I was left uh, left the job I was working at, um, one of the things that um, really hit me was like, you know, I have to really push further with Photodom because this is something that I've always said, like, it'd be a great brand that people really would be a part of. And I'd always been using the brand and using social media, but never had made like a ton of sales like I really want to because I was really putting all my energy into it. Um, 2020, for some reason, as soon as 2020, uh, like everything started happening. I remember getting a space in the building I'm in right now in March and then pandemic happened it immediately happened right after i got this space and so you got a space for yeah i was gonna to, use it for you know honestly working out because i had everything in my room at the time yeah. and it was crazy it was like you know i had a heat press over here then i had like a sewing machine in the corner and then i had all those tubs of clothing that was my clothing it was just clothing i'm gonna sell right and it was just so much inventory i was like you know i gotta get like a space and use this um so i got a space and the pandemic happened literally i think 10 days after and we were all through lockdown and i was like all right i gotta figure out something to do so one thing I started doing was processing other people's film at that time because no one else, a lot of companies uh, had closed down during the yeah, time. Right. So it was just me in there. So I was like, you know, I can process film and online orders just started like going up. For some reason, people were like started ordering stuff on my website yeah. more and more and more because they were just bored. If they found my stuff and it was just so interesting. Also, I think a lot of people got into film photography over quarantine. Yeah, so, I think that, that definitely. Yeah. I definitely see that a lot just from the stories I've heard just from the store. So yeah, just, I mean, it was a good time for people to try something new in general and learn a new hobby. And I think that's what a lot of people turn to because it's, it's a great hobby. Exactly. It's a great hobby, especially for something you don't need really people with. You can go do it on your own. So you can just, you know, you don't have to have real skills. You can just know how to press a button and that can be all you really need to, you know, tell your story or create an image. Mm -hmm. So it was a really interesting time. I mean, the, the, I feel like if the, timeline of 2020 things and happened the way it happened no, nothing would have you know fell into place the way it fell in place it's like you know yeah. divine timing everything's happened just how it's the funny shame. it's funny how things work out right it's yeah so, so how how is it born it was it was around summer 2020 yeah so around summer 2020 honestly i was realizing you know things are getting a little more normal this uh-huh. is kind of after a lot of the you know protests were kind of a little more winding down mm-hmm. uh during that time during the protests were happening i was going to them like every single day i spent like two months straight going to protests just because i had nothing to do and i felt like it was low-key uh, low my duty to document this stuff because people are going to want to know what this looks like five ten years twenty Absolutely. years from now and if i'm Timeless. not here to tell it then people could make up whatever stories they want and i actually seen that a couple of times people are making up stories on the news and i'm like what that's not what happened yeah. I was literally there i saw what happened right. you know especially that first night you know the first night i was out there during the uh at Barclays Center, I remember how just chaotic it was. It was very nerve-wracking, and yeah. I was, you know, getting so much anxiety. And someone was like, hey, let's go over to uh, Fort Green Park. It's way more calm over there. They're chilling. Everyone's happy. And I'm like, all right, let's go over there. <sighs> I went over there. It was way worse. Everyone's, like, Damn. fighting back at the cops, people pushing back. And I was like, oh, my God, this is something I've never experienced before. And that's where I captured um, one of the most f- my favorite pictures of all time. I've captured, like, the burning cop car that was there that yep, night I, I wasn't there but I've, seen, <laughs> I've heard of that yeah yeah that was uh that was the first night so people you know that kind of set the precedence for the remaining events for the rest of that whole summer right. you know it was such an such a weird time because i don't know if something felt like that shot was for me because i remember um being there had a friend was with me and they were like oh i'm gonna head out and i was like you know what i'm gonna head out too right as i was about to leave things started heating up i noticed like things were shifting and i was like okay what's going on 
I you know walk like around actually heating up. Yeah, like, <laughs> like did you feel it get actually, warmer? <laughs> it was like insane, and yeah. I remember just like, capturing some of the events, and you know, then I saw it like go up in, in flames, and I'm watching this happen, and I'm like turning around, I'm I'm like firing, I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. I remember turning around at one point, looking around. There's no other photographers there at all. No one else had a had a professional camera. They had their phones out. You know, I saw like maybe one news crew. Right. But no one, there was no photographers. And I was like, this yeah. shot, my shot. Like, am I literally the only one here right yeah. now getting this shot? And lo and behold, I've never seen anybody else really get that same angle, that same shot from that same, you know, van. Mm -hmm. um, Although I'd argue that people with phone cameras can still be photographers, yeah. but <laughs> probably can't take as timeless as photos yeah. as you got. So it's like definitely taken more seriously and looked at a different way. Yeah. With, I, uh, what were you shooting on? At, at that? that time, I honestly, it was so dark at night. I had two cameras with me. I remember having my Nikon F3. And then I had a Nikon Z7, which is the uh, digital camera. So I shot those pictures on digital because it was kind of dark at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember my, my batteries just going down, draining at that time. I wasn't prepared for anything. But yeah. I loved having that camera because I was, you know, those memory cards for those cameras hold like 4,000 pictures. Oh, wow. So I shot like 1,000 pictures that day. <laughs> <laughs> they were going back through everything like, wow, this is a crazy day. Yeah. Um, but it was very eventful. And from that day forward, um, I was just like, you know, I have to keep going to these, these protests because there's so much stuff happening. The stories aren't being told properly. And also, uh, it was a great way to connect with other photographers as well, to be honest, because there's a lot of other, you know, photographers of color that were going through these protests, documenting them, and I met so many people through them. Like, now it's insanely how much photographers I know yeah. just through going to protests and covering each other's backs, you know, making sure that we're, we're safe together. And it brought like, a lot of people together. I met a lot of friends through the protests. Some of my some of my really good friends now I've literally met at over the protests over the summer. That's incredible. Summer, yeah crazy how something so chaotic can bring us together isn't right that? yeah it's for <laughs> real so so that happened and then photodom was born right after that yeah right after that honestly so um i started looking for another space because this space i was in just wasn't big enough so um i looked in that same building the landlord told me there's another space available uh -huh. so i was like yeah let's just do it i'll take that space too and i remember getting the space um and started working on it I started doing some of the groundwork like getting some of the stuff together because i was like i do want to really want to store and then once I came to start realizing, like, you know, this will be really good if I get the community back behind it as well, because uh -huh. this is something that, you know, no one's ever seen before. And I had to just start looking up other black owned camera stores and really couldn't find anything. I've been Googling stuff. I've been searching on the Internet, asking other people. Yeah. And no one could tell me anything. So are, is your shop the first black owned camera shop? <sighs> I don't think in history ever. I don't think uh -huh. it's ever been. I think there might have been some stuff around. Right. And I can't say that there wasn't. But right. um. Right as now, far as you could tell. Right? As far as I can tell right now, I mean, there's, I can't even find, like, you know, historical stuff. I did find another photographer, like, years ago, I don't see, in the 1950s in Pittsburgh, opened a camera, his own type of camera store. Uh -huh. That was very interesting. I learned that recently. But um, in New York at the time, right now, like, even during 2020, 2020 at the time, there was no camera stores in New York. Even across the country, I couldn't even find anything that was a uh, black-owned camera store just in general. Wow. Okay. You know? So let's just say it's the first black-owned camera store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I ran with it. So you that, know? that's an accomplishment. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something that, uh, you know, I always think about. I'm like, why why hasn't there been anything like that in any scale? You know, uh -huh. the access the access to even get the things you need to open a camera store, have the knowledge and different things that can really hinder people from, you know, getting into this type of business. You know, it's always been kind of gate-kept in a certain community. And the community's always ran, especially film processing too. Right. And one of the things I look at now that's um one of the coolest things is that how many people come to our store and buy their first camera just because solely off of the 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 uh pretty much I mean solely off of the need of wanting a camera but not knowing where to go and not feeling comfortable going to some other stores that I won't mention right. <laughs> that are like, you know, feel don't really feel so open mm -hmm. um when you go there. 
So people didn't have anywhere they wanted to go, and they don't know much about it, so they aren't going to... It could be daunting to, like, go to a camera store and ask someone what type of camera... Like, people, like, I, yeah. I could see other camera stores being a little mean, you know? Like, yeah, like, being what like, are you talking about? I don't know, camera. I don't yeah. know where to get into. So, <laughs> like, going to your camera store, is it like going, asking a friend in person? Right, exactly, because, <laughs> you know, people come in there and it's like, I don't know, but I want a camera. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, well, let's find out what type of camera. What yeah. are you shooting? What do you like to shoot? I like to pick their brains, give them a little quiz right. before they select the camera. Then I start putting out options, and it's like, okay, okay well. Cool. So if you're listening <laughs> to this right now and you're interested in exploring film photography a little bit, maybe getting a film camera, go to Photodom. Check them out. We got you. We'll yeah. give you everything you need. We'll even show you how to load and unload the camera before you leave. That's one of the biggest things that it, like we yep. have pride that's, on. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary to some people. Yeah, and so compared to other stores, yeah, you'll actually show them how to do it. Right, right, right then, then, and, then there. and there. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so going back to these questions – What's been the most exciting thing to come out of opening Photodom that you did not expect going in? Oh, I would definitely say the memories. Like, I didn't think we were going to be processing film in this capacity by any means. Even when we first opened up, I didn't buy any type of machinery for the processor or even buying a processor. I was like, you know, we can do this by hand. You know, we're not going to get that much stuff. So, yeah. you know, me and uh, at the time, my friend Chris, we were, he hit a dark room there. We're like, we can do this on our own. Uh, yeah, it was the first day. I think people dropped off a hundred rolls of film, oh and I was like, "This is a lot." And the next day, it was like another seventy-five. And I was like, "Wow, what are we gonna do?" Yeah. So uh, very quickly, I was like, "We got to get into this." Like, started doing it heavy, but um, I really love to see that you know, there's so much memories in the photos that we develop, and and you know, not of it all of it's photographers. Like a lot of people just want cameras to document their friends and document their everyday day to day, and I love that part of it the most because you know these images are gonna be looked looked at you know ten twenty years from now. And they're going to wonder, like, what was 2020 like? And we can definitely show you because we're a, we're a film store that was around this time. And everyone at that time was, you know, in their prime. Yeah. So uh, we've been using Google Drive and then it's holding everything on Google Drive. We just keep upgrading our plan to, right, you know, the most, the most space. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not deleting anything. I want it all. I want to just see this a couple of years from now and, and see how, you know, photo dom yeah. is taking place. And even seeing some people who are just starting out and seeing their work a couple of years from now. Yeah. Would be incredible to see. Yeah, that's really awesome, especially as a photographer to look back at what you're shooting one, two, three years ago. It just if you're ever in a creative rut and you're like, what am I doing right now? Just like look back at your old work and see how far you've come. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's a cool thing. Definitely. Um, so next question from I feel like Dan, what were some of the biggest challenges starting up? What was your biggest challenge starting Photodom? Money. <laughs> yeah. Opening any business, you need to have uh, you need to have backing. You need to have like a little bit of a foundation of the things that you need. So, so I, I've never opened a business before. So yeah. what like what is this like? You got the idea to open Photodom. What were the next steps? Well, the next steps is thinking about where like where are you going to put a store? If it's mm-hmm. going to be online, and that's way less um, overhead. You don't have to worry about physical space, and you don't have to worry about all the things that go into a physical right. space. But then it's so much harder to build the community, kind of like yeah. how. What, what, it is, what is so much harder. Point of the photo dom, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's so much harder to build something online because you have to have somewhat of a online presence or have somewhere to, to build SEO. So I feel like some of the biggest challenges uh, when it comes to money is like you know you have you need to have enough to secure the space. You need to be able to pay rent. That's the biggest thing because if you can't pay rent, there's no store and there's nothing there. Um, some of the other challenges you need to have is inventory. There's so much inventory that goes into a camera store. I can't even com- tell you guys how much times I order film per week just because we get low on certain things and then they got to think about other things. And then I think about stuff in the lab. You know, if we run out of tape, just tape alone, we can't process film because we need that tape to tape down the film to go into the machine. So there's so much little things that goes right. into making sure that you always have stuff. So it's like the biggest thing is making sure you have inventory. Inventory goes a very long way when you're just looking to uh, constantly have things that people want. The more you have it, the more people start relying on you and the more they'll keep coming back. So that's a big part of it. Nice. 
Cool. The next question is from Cheeto Ego. Do you think a true film resurrection will happen? A if it's true. not already happening. <laughs> a true film resurrection. I think that happened a couple of years ago. I think yeah. we saw the really the real resurrection of film. I would say as soon as the film camera stopped going down and started tickering back up, is that it was the resurrection. The, is it because Kendall Jenner holding the contacts <laughs> T2? That was just, it. That was the turning <laughs> that moment. Was the moment. <laughs> that was like the BC, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it was, it was like, uh, know, before Kendall Jenner, yeah, BK. BKJ. <laughs> I think that was a turning point, honestly. Yeah. I feel like the... The film resurrection kind of already started. It's on its up and up. Um, I don't know where it's going from here. I feel like as companies start to build and make create more film products, that's going to continue to make film more um, out there and, and continue to make more people want to shoot film. Because I think the biggest thing that happens with a lot of things is like, okay, if I shoot film, where do I get a process? So if there's more labs and people can process more film and in, and in return, people will shoot more film. Right. So the access to it, because there's not a lot of labs, is the reason why a lot of people stray away from it. And also get it can... I mean, say I wouldn't even say it gets pricey because honestly, digital cameras and long scope of stuff are so much more expensive. You're going to be what you would spend on the film camera plus film processing and film. It would be like two and a half years of of, of shooting, to be honest. So it's not even that pricey what you right. spend. Um, so I think just access to stuff as uh, things will get better. So the film film resurrection is definitely here right now, and I don't see us stopping anytime soon in sight as long as there's still film being made. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere. At all. I, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, never stop. I I mainly shoot uh, digital, but I shoot film. I don't like for work stuff. I I never really shoot film stuff. It's film a lot. A lot of it to me is just uh, you know my passion is yeah. photography as well as it's my <laughs> career. So sometimes I I'm working too much on like uh, branded work, and it's nice mm-hmm. to just like bring my film. I, I have my film camera with here, with me right here. You <laughs> you probably you probably know this model. Um. This little guy. Ooh, yeah. Olympus XA2. Beautiful. The the flash is really slow on it, which yeah. is, I just need to get new batteries a lot. And oh, then yeah. My other camera, I actually have, do you do camera repairs? We don't at the moment. Okay. We don't do repairs, uh, mainly because that's the thing about uh, the world right now, too, is there's very few camera repair techs out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if a true resurrection really happened, if we can get someone to repair cameras, oh, man, there's, there's so much broken cameras out yeah. there, even oh, for us. God, yeah. uh, our first year, I can... In our warehouse, we have like two to three hundred worth, two hundred, two to three hundred cameras that are broken alone from our first year. I can only imagine what other stores have seen. So, um, if someone can repair cameras, definitely hit us up because we are looking for you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Where where are these wizards that can yeah. repair these cameras? Um, this next question is from at Brian Fulda. What's your favorite medium format camera? Oh, the Mamiya RB67. I love that camera. That was the first yeah. camera, uh, medium format camera that I bought. Um, I remember buying that camera because I had went to Vegas and I went to like one of the galleries and they were talking about medium format and Velvia and film. And I'm like, what? What is medium format? What does it even mean? Yeah. And I went I went, I went online and I started doing some research and I was like, oh, these are like better quality. So it gets bigger, it gets better than this. And uh, I bought that camera and for the next four years, it like stuck to my arm. I just loved carrying that camera around. I brought it with me to Cuba. I brought it to Spain. I brought it like around the world because I didn't know anything better. And honestly, the weight made me get stronger. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So it's my favorite camera. I love that. Who needs to work out when you could just buy a Mamiya 6.7? RB 6.7, yeah. RB 6.7, I love that it's fully mechanical. So honestly, if the world was to ever end and you had had to pick a zombie apocalypse camera, that'd be my camera because it's fully mechanical. You don't need to charge it. No, and it's heavy. You can swing it around, hit zombies with it. Yo, double double meaning. Melee. Yeah, wow. Um, question from Can- Canna Louise at Canna Louise. 
Can you restore vintage cameras? Well, yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah. All right, sorry, Ken Louise. On <sighs> on to the next one from at Braxton Shoots Film. Any plans to rent out studio space or equipment soon? Oh, so glad you asked. I'm glad Braxton asked that question. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I love Braxton. Braxton is so cool. I remember. I remember very very vividly. Braxton came to our store the first day we opened, and he came to talk about his app. You know, because Braxton has his own app that he has that that pretty much shows black businesses in your area that you can go and support. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to be on this app. And he was like, yeah, I don't I don't take pictures, but I'm I, I want to come by and support. And yeah, I seen your sign. And I remember um, you got Braxton in the shooting film. Yes. Wow. He bought his first camera that first day. What? And we have seen Braxton every single week since. <laughs> oh my god! Incredible. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, I can just you can just see alone. He he owns maybe five six cameras now in the last year. It's it's so incredible to see like he's like the perfect case study of someone buying a camera for a camera store yeah. and becoming literally obsessed with it. <laughs> and I love to see it because his shots are, his photography is amazing. It makes me jealous. That I don't get a time to go shoot enough. <laughs> like always seeing the shots, see him come back. Like he'll come in the morning and then come at evening and like, yeah, I shot this. I'm like, Oh damn, that's so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Damn. I love it. That's so, I thought, I thought Braxton has been shooting film for a while, but now, yeah, he's just been shooting for a year. He's incredible. Yeah. So uh, going back to that question, so uh, we currently, we do offer camera rentals right now through ShareGrid. That was something that we recently did like two months ago. We um, went on ShareGrid, which is a really cool platform because it allows us to rent cameras and they can pretty much, they can rent it by the day, they can rent it by the week. It's pretty cool. Um, So it's a really cool platform. We put up a bunch of cameras on there that were donated to us when we first opened up. So it's like a perfect thing that we can just like use for the community. And Uh the camera rentals are pretty cheap, you know, relatively compared to what it'll cost to buy one. So if you're looking to get into a camera, uh, get into a photography and you don't know what type of camera to use or if there's a camera you have your eye on, you can rent it from us and it's way cheaper. Um, and also really cool because we have big news because uh, next month we're actually getting a studio space in the same building. So wow, this is our... So answering both those questions right yeah, now. Yeah, it's perfect. Like perfect timing. Um, Okay, wait. So <laughs> speaking of your building, you want to hear something kind of very small world, kind of crazy? Yeah. So... You're at 1717 Broadway, right? Yes. <laughs> I used to live at 1717 Broadway for almost three years. I've heard that so many times, and I'm yeah. like, what? There's, I When I lived there, I lived with eight other roommates, and a lot of them came in and out. So I don't know if you ever – you're on the third floor, right? We have we have spaces on the second and third floor. Wow. So I'm, I haven't been – yeah. So I, th- I lived in that building about wow. – Six years ago now, wow. maybe seven years ago, <laughs> lived there for like three years. What floor did you live it on? It was uh, second floor. The second floor, okay. And I, I don't know what it's looking like now, but the whole floor was an apartment. Yeah, someone so, showed me that. So I, someone came into the I store pho- once. I have photos on my phone. Um, but yeah, it was like six bedrooms. But like you walk in, it's like one big empty space. And I moved in there because I could shoot studio stuff there. Right. Was the Psychorama then, wall there? No, it wasn't there no, when I okay. lived there. So is there a wall there? No. Yeah, is so there, I remember the what, so the sick. person that I talked to that said he used to live there told me they built the Cyclorama wall in there in like the very far left corner, really close to the train. Oh. So in there now, that's the space we're oh, getting. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, 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 on that side, yeah. yeah. No, so I, yeah, I think my friend Jaime built that. Yes. that's. Have you met Jaime? Yeah, she's came into the store. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's very interesting. Like, I'll, like last year sometime... Uh, she showed me a ton of pictures from the space, and I was like, "What? This is how it used to look like." It's very, it's very funny, and yeah. So that where that cyclorama wall is, yeah. It's so they like cemented it around. So now it's like that whole second floor is like, uh, I don't know, like twenty units now, and it's all like just hallways and it's units. 
Yeah, this was cool. this was a huge apartment that I lived in. I yeah, this is a whole story, but yeah. I, I still can't believe I'll I still can't believe I lived in a place like that. That was my first apartment I lived in in Brooklyn with like eight roommates. It, it was, was like, crazy. It was like the real world. It was it there was so I mean, it was crazy. I met so many good people through that apartment, but also there was a lot of drama and I feel like I just like I I I grew up there. I became an yeah. independent person there cuz I oh, was man. Yeah, I got. You should flip a switch on and turn the cameras on. That would have been the coolest show. Yeah, for real. I mean, we had so many. It's. I. I lived life there. It was a good time. I could never live in a place like that again because it was just a lot. But yeah. Wow. Seventeen Seventeen Broadway. I got some good memories there. Yeah. Oh man, that building has history. I've heard so much crazy stuff about that building from even from like the seventies and eighties and stuff. And I'm like, what? This is this is the same building. People we were like, yeah, I remember very vividly. It's a club there. You know, I was like, right. what? Yeah. I got to hear about this stuff later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their story is there for sure. All right. Question from at Eli London 100. What's the worst film development story, horror story? Uh, Do you have any that you would like to share? It could be something you heard of or something that. <laughs> film developing horror story. Yeah. I mean, Do you... I've been through my own horror stories personally. Yeah. So one of the biggest things about developing film, the reason why I didn't develop anyone's film up until last year for my, you know, I've been developing film for myself for like five six years but people have always asked me i'm like no i'm not touching it because i'm always so nervous of ruining your your photos that's like the biggest nerve-wracking thing so uh now that we're responsible for so much people's images you know this is literally memories you know once that thing is gone it's gone there's no way of getting it back so there's so much things that you really have to be pay attention to but i never forget the first time we got the machine you know there's ways you can put film into the machine incorrectly and the film will literally get stuck in the machine and not come out and you'll just the leader card will come out and then just tape and you hear like a loud knocking and you know that's happened a couple of times we saved a lot of rolls that way nothing luckily nothing ever happened to just get a little wrinkled and then we just wash it right. clean it, it's good but almost it yeah i mean there's you know i mean there's even sometimes that people will film themselves they'll bring us weird film and there will be ready to be an issue and like that times where the, the film would just get stuck in one part of the machine and, and not come out and it's just like ugh, the worst thing ever so there's, there's, those things do happen. If a lab tells you they never ruin the roll of film, they're lying. It's actually yeah. better to have the experience because you know what to do when things do go wrong. Mm. So uh, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely ups and downs to that. I, I appreciate the full transparency. <laughs> Question from at Mr. Hollander. What do you do with all the film that doesn't get picked up? Is it where the lost socks go? <laughs> <laughs> All the film that doesn't get picked up. Honestly, I remember when we first opened up for the first like three, four months, we just kept everything because I had such a hard time letting go of it all. I'm like, no, we can't. They're going to come back someday. They didn't come back. So we had to get rid of yeah. it. So we have a, we've been getting stricter with our policy of picking up the film. But we, we're very stringent because we, we allow so much opportunities for people to pick them up or get them shipped to you or DoorDash them, Postmates it. We have all yeah. these options available. Um, so when things don't get picked up, unfortunately, we have to throw them away. And we just can't don't have space anymore because we're such a small camera store. We don't have, you know, rooms and rooms of inventory to hold stuff in. Of so course, yeah. we've been, it's we just, New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're limited. So we have to throw stuff away. I'm like working on trying to figure out a way we can like make a project out of it and like make cool shit out of it. Andrew, like, that's a good way to put a spin on it. I yeah, like that. Make a shirt out of it. Yeah, <laughs> sick. Uh, next question is from Elpriz90. Best dark room in BK? Question mark. <laughs> it's us. We're the best dark room. I feel like. I mean, we're really cool because we process everything we do. 
you know, C41, black and white, E6, even ECM2, the movie film. And we do it um, all in that little room of a lab that we call a lab, our home. And we're pretty fast, too. So honestly, if you love high quality scans and you want to get your stuff fast and come to us. <laughs> Photodom, best darkroom in BK. Do you have any <laughs> other friends that are darkrooms in the area? Yeah, I do. Or, or is it more of a competition or how does that it's, work? It's so cool because, you know, there's like, I don't know, eight or ten other stores just uh-huh. in brooklyn alone uh-huh. but um the greatest thing is that you know the community is so big and there's so much film in new york there's no way we can do it all and right. i love that there's other stores because if people all came to us we'd literally die we would have no way to process all this right. film so i really like uh just one of the cool places that just opened up uh west lab which is on broadway as that's, well that's right where i live yeah well is it on broadway west it's lab? on broadway yeah. it's on myrtle right yes myrtle yeah because yeah. i live a block away from myrtle right there yeah, even, I, I know they have weird hours though. I've tried to stop by there before. <laughs> oh, really? I know yeah. it's, it's ran by Aiden. He's you know he's the only one that runs it, so okay. it can be depending on his right. schedule. So just a one guy show. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Aiden's really cool from West Lab. There's okay. also uh, uh, Bushwick Community Darkroom. They mm-hmm. develop film as well. They're really cool people. Um, we're always talking back and forth about different stuff, about especially equipment because we all use the same stuff. So if anything goes wrong, I'm gonna hit up them first because yeah. there's no real That's resources awesome. online to really find. Um, how to fix a machine. You have to just know someone who else who has it. Right. Um, they're really cool people, Bushwick Community Darkroom. Um, there's also Exposure Therapy that just opened up not too long ago, also in that same area. Okay. And there's also... So they're a darkroom and they're also a therapist? It's <laughs> no, very interesting. Yeah, maybe you can get your problem solved out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're really cool people over there and we're all like, it's so cool as a network. We're all like within, I don't know, three, three miles of each other yeah. and we all, you know, have our share of clients and customers so it's really cool that we're all like allowed to you know work with each other and it's really cool and there's other another dark room that um we bought we bought a machine from one time they're like way on nostrin they've been in business for like over 20 years their family owned and operated such cool people huh. and yeah he gave me a lot of wisdom when i went there too he taught me about different stuff and i was like oh wow that's awesome to hear that it's that it's like a, even with your competition you guys are friends and community and want yeah. everyone to win Oh, of course, because like in the, the day, there's so much film in New York. So it's like if you wanted that responsibility yourself, good luck, because it's going to be a lot. And, you know, and there's besides that, there's some professional labs that's in Manhattan that people tend to go to, you know, agencies will drop their stuff at those ones. So they have a whole different clientele base. Yeah. So I really love that. You know, we have you know, we don't want all the clients. We just want the best clients, you know, right. we just want everyone who really messes with us, who really because that's the cool part about it. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the same people over and over. Right. Awesome. Question from Corte. Well, how's business going? <laughs> how's business got, going? I mean, how is business? It's been a year now. Happy yeah. one year birthday to Photodom. <laughs> um, it's been great. Honestly, it's only been better and better every month. I feel like it gets a little bit easier every month, which I do love the the relief of the stress off of my shoulders personally. How, how big is your team now? My team is total uh, seven people total. Nice. So between the um, office, store, and lab, that's like the three places that you know my team works out of. Because we also have an online store, so we're also shipping out orders around the world. We get quite a bit of online orders from everywhere. We just ship some stuff to Qatar, Austria, and Australia today. And I was like, "Wow, these are some weird places." It's pretty cool to see. (laughs) Yeah, like that's really awesome. Yeah, and it's all through Instagram, right? That they found you. Uh, Instagram or just on the internet i don't know where where sometimes people find yeah. us sometimes it's just on the internet and right. they'll just google certain films that they want to find because we're, we're, we're a very interesting shop because we, we like to carry some of the weirder niches niche films that not a lot of other stores will put their emphasis towards so um if i can find um 
some of the more experimental film will carry them. And if we can also get some expired film, we always have to carry, carry like anything we can get our hands on because people do want this stuff. And I, I already know for myself, I want it. So if I would want it, I know other people would want it. Right. So I try to carry What's it. What's the deal with the Portrait 160? It's so hard to get. I don't know. It's ask Kodak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, right. Kodak is, uh, they've been having a lot of issues. I think main, one of the issues um, is shipping supplies right now. The shipping lines are a little messed up. So I think it's them getting the stuff to make their stuff is making it hard for them to actually make the film. Right. So we've been seeing a lot of like fluctuating. Sometimes stuff will be here, it'll be gone. Yeah. And that, I just know a lot of people are trying to get that right now. And just like, can't. yeah, yeah. For the last like two months, everything was gone for a minute. Like no Ultramax, Color Plus, anything. Like it was only 120 film. So uh, it, it got pretty hard. People were like, I, I it's, it was great. Honestly, I liked it because I see a lot of people who shoot only portrait or only shoot the same type of film a lot. So it was a perfect time for me to like push other films like, hey, have you yeah. shot black and white? Yeah, that's all, this film. it probably made a lot of people experiment with another film. That's really yeah. cool. I always try to push urge people to try everything. Don't just stick with what you know, because the more films you try, the more your knowledge you're going to have. And then the more, you know, um, you're, I feel like you're going to have a better understanding of how film works in different types of films so totally. it's like being a picky eater when you're a kid you know yeah. it's like you gotta try some new don't eat chicken fingers and french fries all the time like try some new food that's what life's me. all about yeah <laughs> i mean me too i was the pickiest eater now i eat now i eat pretty much anything besides i don't really like cilantro and <laughs> it's like soap to you yeah i'm a, I'm a so- soap cilantro person and i just also i can't eat truffle stuff truffle oh, fries yeah. truffle anything I don't, I don't get it i don't get it people love that but yeah, I'm not a truffle person. I, you, how about you? Uh no, not particularly. No, yeah. I don't. I'm not a big truffle fan either. I love cilantro though. I love cilantro. I'll, I'll eat it plain if I could. Wow. Yeah, it just I don't know something about it just gives it like a refreshing feeling to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could like it. I don't know. My body just says no whenever I put it in my body. Um, cool. We're in the final stretch. So this next question is from Zach Pelicia. What do you do to get over your creative ruts? Ooh. What do I do to get over my creative ruts? I honestly, I really love um, being in a lab. Out of everything that all the parts of the job that there is, everything that this takes, I love scanning because you get to see everything. So you're yeah. seeing, you know, you have to check the quality of the image while you're scanning. But, you know, I'm looking through some of these images sometimes. I'm so inspired. I'm like, wow, this is an incredible way to use this film that I've never even used myself personally. And um, I think uh, yeah, now recently it's been being inspired by a lot of other people seeing their phot- um, photography that's coming to the store and it's inspiring me to get out of my box and try different stuff that I've never um, wanted to try before. Um, that's a big part of it. And also uh, also getting outside of my box is like trying different methods of stuff that I've never really thought to try. And that's always something I'm wanting to push is like, hey, can I, how can I do something I've never done before that makes me feel scared? I love that feeling of like, ah, oh, I'm not uncertainty. Right. That kind of that feeling kind of makes me feel good though. I don't Absolutely. know the uncertainty yeah, I mean, part of it. That's what it's all about. That's how we grow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's the only way to grow. Yeah, yeah. All right. And this last question is from at Egrazel, aka my grandma. <laughs> um she's actually my grandma. She yeah. asked this question on here. <laughs> she's very active on Instagram and I love her. Wow. Uh she says, I've got a lot of vintage cameras. Does he want them? Do you accept vin- do you accept cameras? I do. We do accept cameras. Okay. I, I love people that give us cameras because um, I love that it can go back into a rotation of being used because uh, we've had so many people who've brought cameras in from their, you know, their grandparents or their or their parents, and they're like, "I'm not sure if it works," and they have no clue. And I'm like, "New battery works." And they're yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> their minds are blown. Yeah. They're like, "This has been sitting in my attic for 20 years. Right. And I didn't know if it worked." And you guys just made it work so quickly. So 
Yeah, we do accept donations. And I, I really love that. Um, like when we first opened up a lot of the cameras that we got initially, some some people gave us cameras for free. And um, I ended up keeping a lot of those uh, cameras because I, we used it a couple of times for a few um, programs when uh, they needed cameras. Like it was a student program. And Pay we, forward. Yeah, I exactly. We try to you know give out cameras as much as we possibly can because those cameras are going to be used and are going to be kept in rotation. Did and, you ever hit hit jackpot with it? Did ever someone <laughs> donate like a like a I don't know Hasselblad or anything? The best camera, I feel like. Uh, it was a Pentax 67. Nice. And an, yeah. And then another guy, just he, I don't know, he had all these cameras. He was like, Yeah, I kept all the good stuff. He's like, The Likas and Hasselblads. And I was like, Oh, man. But he like shipped us like, Oh, man, like Mia bodies and lenses and all this oh, random wow. stuff. And awesome. It was like the coolest thing ever. And I was like, Wow. It's like, really had no use for it. He's like, I don't even know to even do it. So yeah. here you guys go. Nice you guy. can do whatever you want with it. That's awesome. And yeah, we've been getting a lot of really cool stuff just off of the strength of that. And even film stuff too. Sometimes people come in and be like, I don't know what to do with this. Here you go. My favorite's the film because I'll yeah, shoot yeah. it myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just fun to, to play with. Yeah, for sure. All right. I love it. Word. Well, Dominic, thanks so much for coming on this podcast. Of what course. can we, uh, what do you want to plug? What are you, I mean, what are you, work- tell us about Photodom a little bit more. Where can people find you? Yeah. Is there any events um, coming up for YouTube channel? Yeah, I mean, there's some things that we have in the works. I mean, I felt like I, I was very um, I'm very strict to myself the first year. I was like, I, this first year, I really want to get this business really understood. And I really want to make sure I, all of the little kinks are worked out. So that way we can get more on the creative side. So now this whole second year is going to be focused on, you know, creativity and events and community activations. Like one of the things that we're initially doing is, or, you know, we started up our YouTube channel again, and we're going to be doing a lot more video content, especially that we have a studio now. That's going to be so awesome to just shoot video content every yeah. day, just for TikTok or even for like reels, just for fun. Right. Um, besides that, we also have some events upcoming because we use that same space. It's going to be perfect. Um, so we have some art shows. We have like two art shows planned for November. We have two photo walks planned for this year as well before the end of this year. And we also have um, some other really fun stuff that's going to be upcoming for 2022 as well. So we're Dope. collaborating with some other cool venue spaces. Yeah. Cool. I love it, man. And it, and you just find Photodom at, on Instagram oh, yeah. so at Photodom. If you want to find us, uh, NYC. Yeah, our Instagram handle is at photodom.nyc. Um, we're also on Twitter and the same handle, TikTok under the same thing as well. I think Photodom NYC. Uh, if you want to check out our check out our website, you can find us at photodom.nyc. Uh, that's our website that will lead you to all of our all the things we do from the blog, cool. the shop, film processing, and everything in between. Amazing, cool. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in with for this uh, another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. Um, remember to stay hydrated, drink water. Hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon. Dominic, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. I've been following your content for so long on Instagram. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. It's so this is such a good way to like meet each other, also have a conversation, have everyone else listen in. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. So, all right. Thanks everyone. See ya. Right, see you guys. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A Shishkin Productions podcast.